Hey everybody, it's Chris here. Welcome in you to another episode of the Casual Future Podcast. What's up? Welcome back, guys. Just so you are aware, thecasualflipper.com is live. Go check that out. And then you can find me on Instagram at thecasualflipper. That's also for YouTube. And then Twitter is casualflipper. Hope to see you. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Casual Flipper Podcast. Super pleased for you to join me on this Friday afternoon. It's a lovely day out there. I'm super excited. The future is bright. This week, I'm bringing you a live YouTube recording that I recently did just earlier in the week with 3Gen Hustle and Surf Flips a Lot on their YouTube show. They do live Hustlenomics. It's freaking awesome. You should definitely check it out. I'll put that in the show notes. So... Let's tune into that. It's a little bit long. It's over an hour, but I'm telling you the content I think is pretty, pretty good. There's a lot of knowledge there to learn. Anyway, hope you enjoy it. Be well and keep crushing. Our guest, you know him on Instagram. He has a podcast. He has a YouTube channel. Um, his name is The Casual Flipper on all of those um, platforms. He is a Amazon seller. I believe he's an eBay seller, but I think he's more into Amazon. Um, I know for a fact that he's an Amazon seller. He focuses on books, but he sells everything. But his book game is crazy, man. Like, if you follow him on Instagram, you see this man works very, very hard. And he is very knowledgeable in flipping books. And when I started flipping books, I reached out to him. And he was, like, talking about haters and um, naysayers. When you reach out to some people... They don't want to share you like they don't want to share things with you because they think that you're taking money out of their pocket or like food out of their mouth. But he was always like very helpful. He helped me get my um scanning software down, do all that type of thing. So he's a real cool dude and he's going to come on and talk with us. So please welcome Chris, a.k.a. the casual flipper. What's up, fellas? What's up, Chris? How are you? Round of applause. Good. When our guests. We, we need like, that. I need that. I'm slacking. I'm slacking on that. Um. <laughs> Let's look at this comment. Second Shift Thrift just said, I just found a bunch of those Gaga Oreos. Yeah, I gotta. I hope they sell for you because for me, they not selling at all. But I think because here they, they're everywhere. But I think maybe in a couple of months they'll sell. But yeah, let's get to the topic of the day. Did you hear what the um, what the topic was, Chris? Yeah, yeah. No, I've been listening. Okay. Um, I know when I first, two years ago, when I first decided to be a reseller or get into the reseller niche, um. For example, I had a friend. He's a black American just like me living in Germany. And we was working at the exact same place. And we used to have these conversations of all these things that we wanted to do. And finally, I was the first one to like, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm going to actually do it. So I started with eBay. Hmm. And I was going to the dollar store then, like just buying like little dollar store things like toys and books and like selling it on eBay. And I was telling him because it got to a point in like two or three months where I really saw that it was something that can like I could really make a living off of. So I'm like, yo, you need to start now. You need you need to do this now. And he's like, oh, that's small money. I'm not really going to do that. I need something bigger. I need to get more money. Like this 2 and $3 every um, sale, that really don't work for me. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And I was starting, starting my blog at that time. And my blog wasn't making no money for like the first year. It wasn't making nothing. I was just putting in work for it and, it and it wasn't making no money. And I'm like, oh, well, then maybe you, like if you don't want to do the eBay thing, then you can start a blog because then, that's more like maybe that's more your speed because you're like a creative and blah, blah, blah. He was like, no, nah, I don't got time for that, which he wasn't doing anything at that time. But every time I would talk about my things, he would be like, oh, that's small money. You ain't going to really get nowhere with it. He would just downplay it and like he would hate on it. And we stopped being friends, obviously, um, obviously, because I'm not going to like have somebody around me that's doing that. And I just saw him a couple of months ago 
and I'm at the level that I'm at now, and he's still doing the exact same thing. So I just, my main thing about dealing with haters and naysayers is you can't let somebody else dictate what you're going to do with your life or how you're going to run your life or how you're going to run your business. So that's just pretty much how I feel. How you feel, Julian? Bro, um, about kind of haters, like when I, same thing, when I started, it was a little different for me because, you know, I, I spoke about this before on other podcasts and here, you know, I'm coming from the music industry and it, it was very hard for me. Like I was, you know, doing arenas, 56,000 people, 60,000 people, you know, with huge artists, Little Wayne Drake, stuff like that. And then to go from that, I went to a regular job to, you know, a month later, a cubicle. Like I felt, you know, it was hard, bro. Like just kind of explaining to people like, you know, I I don't come from this. Like I don't right. I don't like to be told when I could take a bathroom break or when I could go out and eat lunch, you know, so it humbled me a lot. And then the job, though, it was a six or it is because I'm still there. It's a six figure income job. So it's not like just a regular you know, kind of job. And then to tell them that, yo, listen, I'm trying to leave this job and do reselling for a living. They're like, you're crazy. You know what I'm saying? I've always been told that first when I started the mu in the music industry, everybody was like, there's no money in music. You know, everybody was hating. You're not going to go anywhere. I made it. And then I left and everybody's, you're crazy for leaving. What are you doing? Why are you going to get a regular job? And then now I want to leave that job and do re reselling. And they're like, you're crazy for leaving. Mm -hmm. So it's like all these people that just talk and talk and talk, but they're not doing anything. I actually have been successful yes. in so many different things. And, and I believe anybody can do anything as long as you put effort, you know, work, you know, you reap what you sow, you know, at right. the end of the day. So um, I, I don't care. It actually fuels me. Like when I was in the music industry, like I love people hating on me. I loved it because it let me know that oh, I was yeah. doing something, you know what I'm yeah. saying, that somebody wanted or somebody envied. So that's kind of how I feel about all of that. I don't really care. I use it as fuel to kind of continue and, and kind of prove them wrong in a way, you know? Right. Mm. And how do you feel about it, Chris? Well, I'm, I've structured my life in a sense that I almost shelter myself from it. Um, I'm only interested in progress. I'm only interested in positive influences, but I'm very open to the other side because, mm. you know, you don't want to get so stubborn in your ways that you're actually missing something. So sometimes haters can have some value in a sense, if they're an educated person coming from a good place, sometimes we can yeah. view it as haters, but really they're just concerned people. But most yes. people in, in my life want the best for me. And if they're pointing things out to me, I never let them make my decision for me. But I'm always going to take into consideration, like, why are they saying reselling isn't profitable? And are they reselling? So if they're telling me that reselling is not profitable, but they haven't done or know anyone that does it, that opinion doesn't mean anything to me because it's got no legs. It has right. no legs. It's like, so it really, like, it really depends on the person that's given the feedback. But in general, I've just structured my life in a sense that, like, most of the people that I share my ideas with are people that are either going to support me or tell me why it's a bad idea, but it's right. coming from a, like a positive place. Um, and I, like online, honestly, I haven't really received, I've maybe I'm not a good person for this question because I just, I haven't received much negative feedback. Um, and the little that I have gotten, I just chalk it up to is they, they don't know me or they don't know right. what I'm trying to do. And I've always just been a true believer that it's crazy until it works. Like when I first started doing this, no one, there wasn't a lot of people talking to me about it, but now that it's working, 
you're a genius. So it's just, I just know that mm -hmm. when things, when you're at the entry level point, as long as you can kind of foresee the future and you have that belief, people can hate all they want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to you. It's just like water, like water coming off your skin, like no big deal. And that's kind of where I'm at. I just really believe in what I'm doing. So that's what matters. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Right. Yeah. I think you brought up a very good um, subject when you said that people in your life that care about you, it may not just be hate. It may just be like them actually caring and maybe not yeah, just totally. having, having the knowledge of it. And I think that's the reason why I made, like I labeled this title um, haters and naysayers. Cause I think it's a difference. Like everybody thinks that it's all hate, but it could be a naysayer and they don't mean it in a negative way, but they just don't know any better. And maybe they kind of like, I think a lot of people put their limitations on you. And they don't mean it bad, but they just saying like, oh, I can never do that. So you can never do that. Mm. And it's not coming from a like a bad place. It's just mm. they just don't know. So I think that's, that's parents. That's 90 yes. percent of parents. Exactly. They exactly. grew up yeah. this certain way without the Internet. So for you to tell your parents you're going to make a living on the Internet, they love you. They want to see you do well. They might talk to you, try to talk you out of it because they want to see you succeed. And it's just so foreign to them. Mm hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I never looked at it like that, that it's concern, you know what I'm saying? But to me, it, that comes from a place of fear, right? Oh, so, it's a reflection of themselves because then if you're hustling and doing things and you're in the same place, now I got to look, I got to I gotta take an assessment of myself like, shit, he's out here doing stuff. I don't want to exactly. do stuff. So exactly. I'm try I don't want to work down. that hard. I don't want to work that hard. So, And then I think a lot of people have like a crabs in a barrel type of mentality, like because they're not doing what they know they should to be doing or what they want to do they don't want anybody else to succeed because when you succeed then it's pretty much your success is holding a mirror up to them mm -hmm. so i 100%. think that's something big to do also yeah. guys if you are in the live please do us a favor and give us a like um you can comment and you can also sub subscribe to my channel you can subscribe to the casual flippers channel and you can also subscribe to julian's channel they're all down in the description below so do us a favor and do that for us so um Chris, I have What's a lot that? of questions for you. I have a lot of questions for you because I know you, but maybe, but maybe some people don't know you. And first, I want to know, um, how would you describe your hustle? Like, are you on just Amazon or are you on e um, eBay? Also, like, can you kind of kind of tell the people what your reselling niche yeah, is? Totally. So this is a question that, for some reason, is coming up a lot now, and I never was asked before. So it's like a new thing that keeps coming up to me. Um, and the way I'm kind of just trying to summarize it is like Amazon is where I'm making my money. It's where I'm scaling my business. And eBay is where I just kind of have fun. So that's if I'm out at yard sales or if um, – and really, the biggest thing is hockey cards. I'm I'm a hockey fan. Yeah. I'm in the sports cards. I know the, the profits aren't there like they are in other sports, but I don't know the other sports. I know hockey and – there's, you know, some money to be made there, but I just enjoy it. So eBay, I'm on, I'm selling stuff. Um, not a ton. Like it's, I think my, it's like I've made 500 in the last 90 days or something. So it's pretty, pretty small balances there, but it's just for fun. So that's like my fun spot. And then Amazon is where I'm scaling my business. Okay. And what do you sell on Amazon? Well, I'm, I'm gated in basically every category because I've gone through the whole thing. I've yeah. just... I've gone through it. I mean, I started out books, but then honestly, I just was like, this, there's got to be a better way because it's a hustle. Like it's work. And when I said a better way, just more scalable because as you scale books, there's a lot of nuances that come with that. So I've done grocery, toys, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, when you just look at the margins and the cost of entry in books and the possible ROIs and the fact that your inventory is basically free, you can build a good business around free inventory. 
so i decided like books might be the way to go man like like it might be and in places i'm at like some places the market is a little bit saturated with amazon sellers in books so it becomes you got to be very creative with the way you approach it which i try to do anyway but i'm in an area like there's a Amazon sellers here, but no one's scaling it. It's like really scaling it. Like I'm like my, like we want to be sending in like 10,000 books a month type of numbers. You know, we're not oh, there wow. yet, but that's where we want to get to. And no one's doing that here. So we have a real opportunity and there's so much opportunity in books because people see them as a nuisance after you read it. And even businesses, I guarantee you all the places in your cities that are donating books, they have a problem. It's called overflow and they pay someone to deal with it they're paying people to deal with it. So we're going into these businesses in different places and trying to solve solutions for them um, because their headache is actually our bread and butter. So yeah. because of that, I've, we've just gone ham on, on books, but I, I'm still interested in the toys and grocery and stuff like that because I'm in the Canada market. It's not nearly as competitive. It's kind of a baby in a sense. So as Amazon expands here in terms of the amount of fulfillment centers, um, I'm hoping that will drive down um, certain maybe FBA fees a little bit because um, if they want to really grow the grocery market in Canada like it is in other in other markets, you know there needs to be some some work done there. But if I can get into these other markets early before you know it really takes off, then it gives me a bit of a leg up. But for sure right now, just to get money in the bank because those other businesses do cost. You know you need to have a little cash flow going. For, so for now we're just hustling books, moving books. That's what's okay. Now we. Yeah. I think that we both have something in common because I'm selling on Amazon in Germany and you're selling mm -hmm. on Amazon in Canada. And most of the people, yeah. well, I can only speak myself, but most of the people that I come across are in the States. And one yeah, of the number one of questions I get, the things that you're showing, does that work in other marketplaces? So like you're very yeah. transparent with your um, Instagram and your YouTube and your podcast. So the things that you're showing people, just because you're in Canada, like I can still do those things in Germany or it's all in the, the UK. Same. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's all oh, the definitely. exact same. Thing. It's all the same. Okay. It's all the exact same. And the more and the longer I'm I'm in this and the more content I make, the more I realize it's all the same game. Now, the one thing a lot of people in the States is they're actually like just give and take. There's always give and take. That's what I realized by selling in different markets is I have some benefits of being in Canada in terms of less competition. But then there's some things that I don't have, like there's a lot of different buy buyback programs for books in the states that i don't have access to and there's people that will actually sell they, like they, they call them gaylords of books big pallets of books specifically for fba sellers i don't have access to that either so there's pros and cons mm -hmm. to every single market little nuances but in all in all like really when it all comes down to it your your goal is to get books cheap as possible and resell them on amazon right so no matter which market you're in it's going to be the same Right. What is so your average you buy cost? Question. Question. Let me just interject there and ask you a quick yeah. question. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're buying Gaylord, you're buying pallets pretty much of books. Yeah. What is the ratio of books that you're actually selling on Amazon as opposed to the ones that you're having to toss or yeah, so with? that's the biggest miss that we're currently having. So we're tight for space. So I am moving and we're going to get a lot more space and that's going to be nice, but I'm working out of a pod, like a little shipping container in my driveway. So what that means is we need to move inventory quick because when something, once a new shipment comes up, everything needs to be out of there because it's tight for space. So to answer that question at this very second, it's like, we're keeping maybe 15% of what we get, which is not great. Um, well, what that means is a lot of duds garbage, but within that, that's our golden pine. Any bookseller, it's 
your ability to monetize your waste yeah. essentially. Yeah. So, and there's a million ways of doing it. Um, I don't have access to really the buyback programs, but even with lo local marketplaces, you know, if you can make key connections with people that are searching for certain books, you can do that. So that's, that's the goal. But at this very second, it's, it's not a great ratio. We're keeping about 15%, which means we're tossing out like a lot, a lot of books. And we got lucky with the connection that we have a good way of getting rid of them. But it, yeah, we do toss out a lot and they're recycled at least like they're not going to the garbage or anything like that. Like they are being recycled. Are you using that towards like tax benefits? No, like we, we can't, unfortunately, like we are in a sense, like we do have our cost of goods as, which is an asset. And as it sells, we track that to make it cost of goods as an expense, but I'm not able to leverage the duds at this time. Mm, okay. Sorry about yeah. that, Lewis. I know I cut you off. <laughs> no, you you good. You good. You know, I can kind of talk a lot. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is your well, I mean, I'm sure you you know it. Would you mind sharing with sharing with us what is what is your average cost of a book? Yeah, I mean, it depends. So we we track all this stuff. And like so that's another thing that uh, probably should be discussed at some point is the information you're collecting because that's not something I see anybody talk about, which makes me ask, like, how are people viewing their business? you know, from afar, like what granular information are you collecting? And is it, are you just relying on one piece of software? Right. So that's something that I always wondered because I asked the question on Instagram, they're like, where do you people really review information? And I didn't really I get many, many much feedback, but I have a spreadsheet where I track everything. So the reason I went down that avenue is because it depends on the location. So like there's like Valley Village, Salvation Army, mm -hmm. um, different local thrift stores, like donations. So um, we use a custom SKU for depending on where we get it. And we track the shipment as it progresses through the, its life. But um, the cost of goods blended, it's not a really a great number to go by because it doesn't mean anything. But like Value Village, I know if we go there, it's going to be $4 or less, depending on the, the cashier. I know per if we go to Salvation or... Army, per book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I know if I go to Salvation Army, it's $1.50. I know if we do donation, it's going to be free. You know, you got to account for labor and stuff like that, but it's going to be free, the cost of goods. Um, and then the pallets that we're doing, you know, depending on the pallet, there's something else we track. But I'd say on average, it's about 70 cents per book, some higher, some lower, for sure, yeah. Okay, because um, I just did my first, well, not pallet, but I got like 400 books. At, at, you got at a lot. I've seen that. I was impressed. Yeah. Thank you. I'm proud I of you. From like, my, I was, that's I sick, appreciate man. It. Thank you. And actually, you are the one that gave me the idea for that. But um, because I got it from the thrift stores, the because I only go mm -hmm. to one thrift store to to get books because the book section yep. is like humongous and I can never get through it all. I'm once we get done done with lockdown, I'm going to like branch out that's and go look problem, at more because maybe that's a good problem. Yeah, that's what you want. But but I was thinking because I I've like never since I. Since Bro, I've been reseller, I have never met another reseller. I don't know if you're they just don't up, come man. talk to me, but you're set up for I, success, I've never man. met another reseller. But um, I was I was thinking because I was driving past the thrift shop and they were closed, and I saw somebody bringing in some clothes to them, like they have these bins that you could throw the clothes in there. So I was thinking if they're closed for two months and they have all this stuff coming in there and they can't sell it, maybe I could just contact them and say, "Hey, I want to buy a whole bunch of books," and maybe Definitely. they'll they'll do it. So um. So I yeah. so um I contacted him and was like I want to buy some books and before I can say anything he was like how many do you want we got so many take <laughs> as many as you want so I did it and that but um I my average ended up being like eighty cents per book and I was thinking Amazing. 
But I was thinking that that's too high because, like, on YouTube, I'd be seeing people get them for, like, 30 cents and 40 cents. Like, it's 70 to 80 cents, like a but normal. It, it, but it, it's, like, what you see other people do is irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? Because you're doing right. you. What what right. you want to look at is how long is it going to take you to get this money back? What's the average sales rank when the shipment's done? Um, what's your margins? Like, if you're running a 30% margin, who cares what you're, like, you do care because you're tying up cash. But if you're doing 80 cents average cost, but your margins are 30, 40, 50%, whatever. You know what I'm saying? The, mm -hmm. And obviously, the more books you're, you're able to get, like, if you go back and you say, listen, that was great, but, you know, it, That's the plan. margins weren't quite, you know, if I can get two pallets, right. but we can make a better cost, then maybe you mm -hmm. can help bring down your cost anyway. But yeah, books, you are on the right track that your cost of goods is incredibly important. Incredibly. Yeah. Because, I was thinking that, yeah. sorry, I was thinking that I'm going to go back in the middle of the month because I still got to go through all these books. I only went through half of them. Mm -hmm. I still got to go through them and I have other things. But I was thinking I'm going to go back and say I'll do double this time, but I want to get it for like 60 cents or like 65 cents. So were you profitable if you could, were you able to lift the book for like eleven ninety nine and make some money on it? Or would you have to be more expensive than that? No, I actually could be cheaper. Like here, like I don't know why, but if I list the book, I got it for eighty cent. If I list it for like seven ninety nine, which is which is my minimum. Um, on, so on, you're on, laughing. You're laughing. Yeah, I mean, I still can get three or four or four, um four year profit on it. So all the other booksellers can't compete with that. They're paying wow. two three dollars for a book. You're paying eighty cents. Like you're you're laughing. Yeah. Um. Oh, we have a question from Second Shift Thrifts. Do you do any wholesale? Is pallets considered wholesale? Yeah, it's like a weird thing because technically the places I work with are retail locations, but we're buying wholesale amounts. So call it what you will. Or maybe we will make a new category called RA Wholesale. <laughs> <laughs> Digging for Deals Missouri says, trying to list 20 things, but we have 400 that haven't sold, sadly. Oh, yeah. Are you, so, you talking about Amazon? And books, because that's important, too, because if it's books, it's nothing. I mean, it depends how long they've been there, too, because books is a long game. Boy, like yeah, like you're long. you're looking at a year, maybe disposed of after a year, maybe even longer. Right. So books is something that once you make your initial investment, it's going to take like three, four months to get that money back. So it's a it's the compound effect. Like read that book. That is books. The compound effect. You got to hustle, grind. And you got to like go through the really tough times because you're going to be sending all kinds of stuff and you're going to have 1200 listens, 2000 listens. And you're like, this isn't like money's coming through, but it's, but where's it like, where's the profitability come from? It comes from when you sent in six months worth of books and you have a bunch of listens and now everything's selling, right? Yeah. That's where, yeah. that's where it really happened. So this problem, this was all me last year. I spent a whole year sending stuff in and it wasn't profitable, but now it's all coming together. You have to get your like you like you have to stack like compound just like you said like once you start sitting, exactly I um I saw a video that I forgot the word but it's um equal equilibrium that you have to mm -hmm. reach your equilibrium where you're sending in the number of books that you send in is the exact same number of books that you're selling and he was explaining right. it which which I won't be able to explain it as good as him but he was saying once he that he was sending in books every every um every single week and then he got to a point to where the number of books he was sending in was the same amount of books that he was selling, but it took him like a year and a half to get to that point. And one of the things that happens with people who try to sell on Amazon or even books on Amazon is that they quit before they reach that level. So, Manhando. yeah, so and you I'm get so, better and your, your, your triggers yeah. are important because if you're sending 400 
horribly ranked books, I mean, that's going to be a tough game. But if you, if you're sending in, if you know your market really well, and I know like for Canada, 550 rank and better is pretty mm-hmm. safe. And I'm going to play in that ballpark. So you're going to see the returns on that. But then there's some, this is where things get a little sticky with triggers is there might be a book 3 million rank, 5 million rank that looks like it never sells, but it's because there's been no FBA offer on it. And it might be a hundred dollar book. And it's really easy to pass Sorry to that stuff off. up. Could you explain what triggers, what triggers are? True. Sometimes I'm a little bit in my world and I, realize <laughs> I say these words that don't mean anything to anybody. Like duds, I use that word to people like, what's a dud? But um, so there's an app I use called Skelly, which within it has an algorithm that lets me know whether I should keep a book or toss a book essentially, or buy it in a store or not. And they're called profit triggers. So what I'll tell it is, you know, from rank one, which is the best to rank, you know, 5,000. If it has at least a dollar profit, let's take it because that's definitely going to sell. If it ha- if it's 5,000 to 30,000, let's get a little more profit because we're taking on more risk with that book. So as the risk increases, your profitability should increase. That's an important thing to have set in your triggers. Um, so that's, that's what a trigger is. It's just the algorithm the app uses to let you know if it's a buy or not is really all it is. You know what my problem was um, using Scoutly because I don't use any type of software. And the reason why I don't use Scoutly is because a lot of the books here in Germany, they don't have a barcode on there. So I can't scan it. Do they have IBSN on the back? Uh, I, I have to, to check. Say. I have because you can use the camera for... to you can use the camera to read the app, but that's a pain like every single time. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, like I'm getting, um, the Amazon sellers app and as much and as much faster. True. Fair. I mean, I do question. use Scoutly. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your, your no, thought there. I was just um I was going to say that I do use Scoutly to scan DVDs because they all mm-hmm. have barcodes. But with books, I'm still using just a regular Amazon seller. Is that Oof, all right, Julian? Right. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to ask. I mean, I'm a much newer Amazon seller. I'm maybe two or three weeks in. Gotcha. So I'm not as versed as you are or at the level that you are by far. I'm pretty new myself, man. I've only been doing this for a year. I only know what I know, but you're even a little bit more new than me. (laughs) So it's kind of going to take us into this other segment that we have called started from the bottom. Mm -hmm. And pretty much what it is, is we ask you a question. If you had to start from the beginning today, knowing what you know, what would you do different or how would you go about uh, things on Amazon? Well, wait, can y'all one, guys hold on one yeah. second? Wait, 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 Chris, hold on one second. Start it. My bad. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I forgot that she was on there. My, my fault. Oops. My fault. But anyway, Chris, um, yeah, exactly right. Do it in post. <laughs> Uh, starting from the bottom, like if, so, I mean, that is super powerful tool, by the way, like there's actually so clutch you asked this question because you're going to put yourself ahead of the game so much. Um, I think one thing I can definitely say is the data, see flipping sports guy, if he sells, if he, for $8, like see two to profit, but that's, I would, I would assume it's because of his cost of goods, I would think, but right. anyway, um, I would probably have tracked my data better and more. So you know, like each shipment, how did each shipment perform? And what was in each shipment? Like, where are my holes? Because what happens and what happened to me is 
you're always looking for opportunities. You're always sending stuff in. And sometimes you forget to look on what, what failed and what was good. So what happens is some of your inventory is hiding the sins of all the other stuff. And you're kind of just turning a blind eye to all this other inventory that you shouldn't even have there or focus on at all. So I think it'd be getting more granular with my information, like really doubling down on what works and what doesn't work. Um, but and other than that, I definitely would have gone to an accountant a lot sooner. Um, but obviously you're in, like you mentioned, you're in the music game and all that kind of stuff. So you probably understand that part pretty well because you're used to being kind of an independent kind of person. But I would have uh, figured out my taxes a lot sooner and I would have collected a lot more data along the way for sure. Mm. Now, what do you use to collect the data? Like, are you using spreadsheets? Are you using programs? So yeah. So it's kind of like a magic formula. And this is something I just didn't know that is kind of benefit you to know now is like, I knew there was custom SKUs, but I just assumed people only use them to store their inventory. And I didn't think any more of it. But then I realized that with, so there's an app called Sellerboard. Are you familiar with, with Sellerboard? Nope, but I'm writing it down right now. So, and you may not end up using it, but I'm sure there's other stuff like it. So what Celebrate is, it's a third-party Amazon app that will actually pull data using an API based on sales records. So what that means is it'll tell me my, my profitability just in one spot. So if I go and I look at my, my sales for today, it'll show me my revenue, my expenses, and my net profit, which is nice. But what's really powerful with it is you can pull information by by skew. So if I call my first shipment S1, I can just type in there S1 and it'll pull all the data from it. So it'll show mm -hmm. me my revenue from that, my profitability, yes. So then you can make a spreadsheet where S1, what did it pay out at 15 days? What did it pay at one month, three months, six months, one year? And then you can see how this could get really interesting. So I, we might track how many books was in a shipment. Like that. You, just you can just start to track everything. And it's just for utilizing wow. that custom SKU. So one item, when one of my books sells now because of these custom SKUs I use, it'll say, okay, this was on pallet 12. My cost of goods was 65 cents. It was in very good condition. And then we also list why we priced to that because I want to know if my repricer is working well. So just having a custom SKU is super, super clutch because it gives you instant information that you can then pull using third-party apps. So. Uh, I've noticed lately a lot of the books that are selling are the same price as I listed them for, which makes me wonder what the heck's going on with my repricer. So that's something that I have to look into. Repricers are a man. That is a, you have to really be on top of your repricer. Cause I noticed, like I said that um, I sell my books no lower than seven ninety nine, And for like the past couple of days, I saw that my books were going for, like they were selling quicker than they usually do. So I'm like, why are they selling quicker than they usually do? And it was cause they were at five ninety nine, and I sold like 20 mm. of them. Like, in Ooh, one day, yeah. So I have yeah, to like, really be on top of that. Yeah, you can What's set. Up? So I, I've said this quick. Um, I use Be Cool, but I'm sure they all yeah, do this. Yeah. Every time I make a new listing, it automatically sets the price based on some preset criteria. So I set the the main price, and it will lower it by 10% max, but it'll go up by at least maximum of 25%. So that 10% floor will probably ensure that you don't get down to that five five dollar point because most items I list, I give myself at least 10% for it to go down. Oh, okay. So but then how do you base your like when you're listing the the, the price of a book, mm -hmm. you compare it to other um FBA offers in the same category like if it's very new then you compare it to very new and if it's used i mean um good or no how do you do i don't that? look i don't look at condition at all no i don't so look you at, just no i i 
I just go based on what I want to get for it. Like I, I, you... I, I'm listening. So if if there's a very good for eleven ninety nine, but I need to be fourteen ninety nine, mm-hmm. I go fourteen ninety nine and I'll let them sell first, and then I'll get my my price. I might take a little bit longer, but like I'm in it for the, the long haul, right? Okay, because I'm sorry. That same technique on eBay. I yeah. use that same exact thing. I'm I don't very own, interested. I don't, in this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, same same thing. We spoke about this last episode. I look, I sort, uh, I look at solds. I go by highest price. I look at whatever the highest it sold for, and then I'll add ten dollars. Exactly. I don't care. I'll wait. So basically, now, if, we, I mean, if, if six months goes by, seven months go by, and you start sitting on too much inventory, oh, maybe yeah. then you drop your drawers, you take a little bit of a hit, but you get that cash flow going again. But in general, I try to be, I don't want to be the cheapest normally. I want to be like in the middle. But, but yeah. again, you got to look at the, how often it sells. If this is a book that sells once a year, you probably want to be the most, like the best price on the listing. How can you tell that though? That's on the so, Scoutly app? Well, Scoutly, their information is good for the sales rank, but the sales number, I'm very skeptical of it. This is when you start getting, you got to start learning. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that kind of comes into it, but it's yeah, Keepa. So the Keepa chart is really good because it shows you the sales history of the book. So if you see it chugging along, it's 2 million rank, then all of a sudden it goes down to 900,000 and then just continues going back up. It's like, okay, we can assume the sales rank got way better because it sold that day and then it never sold again. So that's kind of what you want to base it off of. We have a question. It's hard to read. (laughs) It it is at first, but when you do it every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, that's something that if you just sat down for a half hour and had someone help you just with a few little questions, you'd get it like that. Okay. Bro, um, Maybe you can message me, man. I don't mind helping at all. Awesome. Nisha was the one that told me about Scout um, about Keeper, and I tried to use it, and I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I thought it was taking, Clutch. it was making me waste more more time. But then, like people, like I just kept hearing hearing about Keeper and Keeper. So I finally like sat down. I watched the video. I forgot what video it was, but it kind of explained the chart of how it goes like this and up, mm-hmm. up and down, and when it goes up. And then it goes back down. You want to count the dips, and then that's how, like, how often it's, it sells. And you want to, you want to have a, like a heartbeat. That's what you want to. Like somebody explained it to me perfectly. Matt did. He said, when you're looking at people, you want to have a heartbeat. You want it to go up and down, up and down. That means that it's selling. But when it's flatline, that means that it's not selling. And that's what you don't want to do. And then once he told me that, it like it made sense to me. And now I use Keeper on everything. Like it's like yeah, clutch yeah. for real. Yeah, Nisha. Nisha has a question. Does Scoutly use eScore for books like Scout IQ? It does. And the only reason I'm saying it does is because I see I'm in the Facebook group for them, and there's always people asking questions, and they send their screenshots, and I see it there. But in Canada, it is not there. Neither is the buyback thing. So I'm saying it does because I see it. I I think I'm seeing it on other people's stuff, but I don't have any personal experience with it. But I'm pretty sure it does. The same in Germany. Like they have the option there, but it's just blank there for. Yeah, for, so uh, I think that's the U.S. thing. Yeah. Callie Reseller Lewis. Hello. Uh, we got Digging for Deals, Missouri. We have only been doing this for a few months, nearly breaking even. Very, very good. Yeah, that's amazing. Second Shift Thrifts. That's a mouthful. Second Shift Thrifts. I use Inventory <laughs> Lab. Keeps track of all sorts of stuff, too. Well, I would love to use Inventory it. Lab. Yeah, I would love Same. to, but it, doesn't, but it doesn't work here. Same here. <laughs> We got to do it manually. Yeah. No, a flat line is good with a loan rate. No, I don't, Nisha. I don't mean if it's like a low, okay. I mean, if it's high, whatever. Nisha, <laughs> Nisha knows, yeah. 
But I mean, if it's going up and down, up and down, but if it's a flat, um, if it's a flat line, but the but the rank is high, like if it's three million and it's a flat line, then it's not selling, right? That's fair to say. Yes, I would agree. Means it's selling so fast, the line never. Yeah, but if it's down at like a thousand or two thousand or fifty thousand and like books, then it's a flat line. Then yeah, that just means that it's selling so much that it doesn't go back up. Thank you, Nisha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to shift the conversation a little bit more towards what we started talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And you said you have a lot of uh, positive influences or you look more towards positive influences, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize how psychological or the psychological aspect of reselling, how important that is, just right. staying motivated. Yeah, You know, you're totally. working for yourself. So, you mm-hmm. know, just out there sourcing and shipping things in. This is a day in, day out kind of yeah. uh, task that gets tedious and it's lonely and it's late night sometimes. So mm-hmm. can you speak a little bit about that, uh, just keeping yourself motivated? And yeah, mindset is everything. Mindset is everything, everything, everything. I'm glad you brought that up because it's incredibly important and it's not talked about nearly enough. Like, what you're doing for your mindset and your motivation in my mind is really dictates how successful you're going to be. Like, since I, like I wake up in the morning, I, I have like my routine, I meditate every morning. And since start doing that, like I've noticed a huge improvement in my business, in my thinking, you know, when you can think more critically, when you can have more energy, when you can be more aware and it doesn't have to be meditating. Maybe you like, like, um, like he's going, uh, to the gym everyone and that's super good for your mind yeah you get tired a little bit later but your body will adjust over time i think but i think just having positive habits is super important and, you know and, and there's been times in my life where i, where I didn't have positive influences out around me and in, in those times i looked to social media i looked to podcasts you know i listened to a ton of um different positive influences through through those kind of means youtube podcasts whatever it takes to get that that influence going because you start manifesting what you're thinking about if you like i'm a really firm believer that if you're if you're judgmental you're negative you're questioning everything like you how do you not manifest that outwardly like maybe you don't i don't know but i i just from my own experience i feel like when i'm very positive and i'm optimistic and i'm learning and i'm trying new things it manifests itself into more of a positive experience for yourself but everybody around you too so I, i would say just try to focus on healthy lifestyle for you not no one's gonna be the same this someone else might meditate and think it's hocus pocus and they didn't like it and they got frustrated but you know i go to the gym and i hate it and i don't enjoy it but i do other things like i I like to go for hikes we'll go hiking walk the dogs like whatever so that's kind of my thing right lewis anything that you do i know you have a lot that you do personally but i don't know that other people do oh he probably can't hear me because his headphones aren't working but i'll speak a little bit on they good now you heard that no you heard okay (laughs) i was just asking anything that you do personally i know you know we talk quite often but um anything that you like to share about things you do to keep your mentality and stay motivated oh about motivation about how i um i don't know what you guys said so i hope i'm not coming out of left field but i don't i don't this may sound weird, but I don't depend on motive on like motivation. I don't depend. I don't wait till I'm motivated to do something because to me, motivation is a feeling or like an emotion and nobody is ever always motivated. So if I depended on motivation to do something, then I would just do it maybe 50% of the time or 30% of the time. So I do more on just 
I guess you could say like I think there's a, a like a um place to be motivated, but I don't use like that's not what gets me up to go listing or that's not what gets me to go shopping or that's not what gets me to be working 12 hours a day and then come home and then go through books for five hours because I'm not motivated to do that. I will I will I will much rather be sitting in the bed watching 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 TV. <laughs> but I do have goals and I do have dreams and then I do have aspirations and that's what gets me going like to be able to be my own boss, to be able to have my freedom. That's what gets me going every single day. And just building that muscle memory of doing things that I don't want to do that I know is mm-hmm. still good for me. Mm-hmm. It's just building that thing. So when it comes to the point to like waking up today at 5.30 to work out, I didn't I didn't want to do that, but I'm building that that muscle memory and my and like the way I feel about it doesn't matter. It just needs to be done. So I guess building my um discipline. There we go. I'll just, I'll just add really quick. I think um, motivation without action is the beginning of delusion. Yes. I, I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. We got a uh, Derek in the house. I see him in new England. Betty Boop says positive mindset is everything. Surround yourself mm-hmm. with positive people and influences. I think that's super important. Um, just from personal experience, man, I, I, I actually left the music industry about four years ago because I felt like I was losing myself and becoming a person that was greedy, becoming a person that was, you know, just using people to get ahead. And um, I didn't recognize the person I became like at my core. I'm not that person. And when I realized that I had become that person after so many years, I said, no, I need to distance myself from this. Mm -hmm kind of restart build myself back up because that was my identity for a long time so um after that man i use my family as a motivation 1000 percent. like you know just spending time with my kids like i don't want to slave away you know just because i have a six-figure income spending 14 hours at a job you know what i'm saying like and then not having time to raise my kids see my kids i'm always tired um you know I have to jump whenever they say jump, you know what I'm saying? Like they Mm. use that amount of money that they're paying you to their favor. You know, like they, I almost feel like a slave. I almost, you know what I'm saying? Like they're pimping me, you know, really like they're like, man, you got to do whatever I say because I'm paying you X amount of money. So I hate that feeling. Yeah, me too. And man, in in, in this day and age in 2021, man, just it. There's enough money out here reselling and being your own boss. And there's so many streams of income. I know you do Amazon, you do a little bit of eBay, but even outside of this, outside of the reselling thing, Lewis was talking about blogging. I do um, Shopify. I got a perfume company. I do apps for people. I do graphic design. There's so many ways, so many avenues to make money. You know, you don't have to work for somebody, Um, but that, mentality aspect of it the reason i asked you is sometimes i do feel like i don't want to do anything today Mm. (laughs) i just want to lay here and i struggle with that personally you know it's i went through a depression so i always like asking people what are the different things that they do to keep motivated because Mm -hmm. i do struggle with that and you know what meditation is one that i hear all the time and i always wanted to try it just clearing the mind and yeah man it's something I, I do want to get into and I do want to try, but thanks for sharing uh, all of it's, that. It's just about taking time for yourself and making yourself a priority. It's something that I do for me. You know what yes, I'm saying? Yeah. And that just feels good by nature. Yeah. 
Uh, let me get to some of these comments. We got New England Betty Boop. I was I was wondering who you were because you're because you're new, but now I know who you are. Hello, Lewis. I'm Pasha's my purpose on IG. Okay, I know who you are now. So thank you for clearing that up for me. Uh, Second Shift Thrift says, if you don't do it, some somewhere else will. And now and that's something else that I always think about. I always think about if I'm not out there grinding, then somebody else is. Somebody else is is taking what. I don't want to say but belongs to me, but what I want and I know I can have. So that's something that like gets me too. We got yeah. Derek. Derek says, hit that like. Yes, please hit that like. If you are here, even if you're here for a minute, make sure before you leave, hit that like button. That that helps. That helps us out. Julian, you've been on fire with the questions. You got any more questions? No, man. I really wanted to, you know, ask him more about the mentality. Um, I, like I said, I'm very new on the Amazon thing. Um, I do notice your your hat. Um, do you do oh, merch? Is that something that you you have a lot of merch, or is that just something you made for yourself? Yeah, like I I tried it out. Like I I have a website with some stuff on it, like whatever. Like I got the the work hard, game hard. Um, and the, the reason I I made that is because I feel like entrepreneurship and our community, especially, is all about hustling twenty four seven. If you take off, you're a bitch. And like I don't think that's true. <laughs> I'm going to work hard during the day. And if it goes into the night, it does. Like, I don't care. But like, I'm not going to feel bad if I take time to play some Call of Duty and eat some cheesy pops. Like, that's just like, that's something that I enjoy. I'm not going to like give in to like the culture of it all. So I made this work hard. I work hard, but I game hard. So I made stuff like that. It's just on the website, but like, I don't sell much of it. I don't promote it. It's really for me. And if anyone ever bought it, cool. But it's not something that I, I actively like market it. I, I would like to um, talk a little bit more about your YouTube channel. So, you know, what are your plans for the YouTube? Where mm. are you taking it in 2021? I mean, you're at 207 subscribers now. What what are your plans going forward? Well, it's pretty new. Like, yes, I have posts going back a while, but it was never a priority for me. And as you can see, two months ago is when I really went ham on it. So that's when the thumbnails visibly got better. Mm -hmm. Like, that's when I actually started doing it. Um, the other stuff was just stuff like my first day thinking about reselling is my first post. I hadn't sold anything yet. If you go to the very first post, it's one year ago, 25 views. I may actually, maybe I actually, I think I might have taken some of those videos down. Why did I do that? But so one year ago, it's just like, I'm just talking on the camera. So there's, it's just me. Like I wanted to document it just so I had something to go back to because I had faith I could scale it. Um, so it's it's just very, very basic until about two months ago. Then I decided that because I made one video and, you know, it got like four or five hundred views, which isn't much really. But when you when you're in a very niche down community, it's not bad because with that, you get a lot of engagement. So it was only four or five hundred views. But it, I like I got flooded with with engagement in terms of, you know, likes and comments and questions. So I said, OK, like clearly youtube has a real market for reselling um community it's very strong there are a lot of a lot of comments which i like because i can answer them and then you can use that for you know um content on tiktok and instagram and whatever um and the other thing is e-commerce in terms of paid on on youtube is extremely high they're one of the highest paid yes. niches so i figured there's no harm in creating content for it because the feedback is good it produces a lot of questions and it's just another way to express creativity is really the number one thing. Because one thing I find mm -hmm. when I'm when I'm at my 
darkest moments, it's when I haven't been creative in a while. So if I can go and make an, a video, post it, I feel good about it. So that's, I don't have a goal with it. I'm just going to keep making a content that I hope people engage with, that I can help people kind of along their way and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Feeding that for creative people. If you're a creative person like I am, I know mm -hmm. Lewis is as well, but yeah. um, when you can't feed that creativity, it causes so much frustration. Oh, it's, it does. And it's like, hard to pinpoint it. Yeah, absolutely. And you start blaming other things. <laughs> yeah. Yep. One thousand percent. Even yourself sometimes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Question yourself. And that's mm -hmm. when it's when you get real bad. But mm -hmm. I, I do the same thing. I started YouTube because I needed a creative outlet. You know, yeah. reselling is is cool, but there's not much creativity to yeah. it. It's limited. Exactly. Like you hit a certain ceiling, like you get creative with keywords, you get creative with you know, learning new apps and new mm. systems to do, but there's not much there. So yeah. that's a great way to feed your creativity. I um, definitely look forward to um, watching more of your content. And if anybody's watching now or on the replay, make sure you uh, subscribe to him. Um, is it the casual flipper on yeah. YouTube? I'm, as well? I'm not super. Now the only thing casual about me is the way I dress. But <laughs> So where'd the name come from? Wait, hold on. I, I wanted to talk about the um, whole creative thing. Like, I agree with you guys 100% about the creative thing. That is actually why I started back drawing because, like you said, like doing Amazon and reselling, it's not, it's like pretty much straightforward. You set mm -hmm. your, your rules and it's like you don't like have any type of creative thing. And when I'm creating art, whether it's a video or it's a piece of art, like it's my form of meditation because I know it sounds weird, but I kind of shut my brain off and I just go with the flow. So I think it's very important for like to have some type of creative outlet. Yeah, 1000%. Okay, the name. Where did the name, the name come yeah. from? There's no real story. I on I if I'm being honest, I thought it sounded cool. I was like the casual flipper. That's cool cuz like at the time I had a full-time job and it mm -hmm. was very casual for me and I was flipping stuff, so it was literally like straightforward like <laughs> the casual flipper. So I just went with it. And then now I'm trying to justify like keeping it, but it's yeah, it is what it is. So I have a question because you just said that when you started, you had a full time job. So when you started, what made you start actually? Like, did you start on eBay or did you start on Amazon? I started on Amazon for sure. And okay. then I got into eBay after that because I was doing it sounds like maybe similar stuff where I was buying like pallets of like returns or whatever, just like. Mm -hmm mishback palace of stuff and i needed ebay for that so i needed it but the stuff i was sending amazon was like fire it was amazing um but i just found like with limited space and one issue in canada is the shipping costs are just like crazy 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 a tracker to track an item is seven dollars oh wow and like if I wanted to send a CD track, it's like 14 bucks. So the, like, it's crazy, crazy. So it's fine if you have the margins. So eBay is really great. I just need to like, I just need to have a lot of margins. And one thing with Amazon is they have a really good relationship with the UPS in the sense that they offer a very heavy discount. So I could, I could, I can ship a whole bunch of stuff to Amazon pretty cheap and then they can ship it for free for me. So it just, Amazon was just a way that I could, really scale because i can sell an item for 7.99 and be profitable as for ebay i need to sell it for like 20 dollars minimum right okay i have a um follow follow-up question to that it's actually a two-part question what <laughs> made you start reselling and what and how did you find out about amazon and what made you go to amazon because mm. like, most people start with ebay and then move over to, um, to um, amazon so what made you start reselling and then what was it about amazon 
Well, I worked a job for five years. I was just selling phones, made surprisingly good money, but I just, I've always been doing things, trying to find another way. That's just the way I've always, always, always been. I've dabbled in a lot of stuff. Like before this, I went by Big Red Says, and I had a podcast called the Big Red Says Podcast. Okay. And it was, it was all like motivational lifestyle, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, so I was trying that, but it, it was, it floundered and, and, and it ended. The thing I liked about it is the creativity of it was just there but it wasn't super genuine to me. Yes, I'm, I try to have a good mindset, but 24 seven, just not me. So it, it didn't work out for me, which is why this is so good because when I found it, it was, it just hit home. Like it just hit home, like right away. And the reason that I went to Amazon over eBay initially is there was a gentleman at the place that I worked that dabbled in it. And he was kind of telling me about how the FBA programs work. And as soon as I heard that, you can send it to them and they're going to do the customer service and send it. I said, sign me up. So I immediately went that night, went home, did a bunch of research, Googling everything. And like, I found some, I found there's like all the content I found, I felt was over my head. So I, I said, okay, I can learn this, make content for people. I try to make it more elementary and mm-hmm. I can learn a whole new niche. So um, it was just a matter because that's what I was exposed to early. And because I felt like I could, really get into it mm. so Which, when you first oh go ahead, go ahead. now i was gonna say so you always knew that you wanted to be a content creator when you first started yeah it's it's not even that i want i just always have been like it just it's just something that i've done okay like it's just i, I have to do it like i have to i don't even and i don't even care if any if i don't even care if it grow like big red says i did that for a year maybe even longer and i had like 400 followers like i didn't care i just i had to do it Right. That's a fact. It's it, there's like a, a there's a portion of it that you know really doesn't matter like you were saying if people even watch it. You're kind of it's therapeutic, right? So it, yeah. When I used to work with a lot of artists, right? Um and they were recording for albums, they would record 100 songs, 200 songs and you know, a lot of these songs were phenomenal and would never see the light of day, right? Mm. And there would be arguments in the office, in the studio of like, man, you got to put this out. You have no idea what this does to me. Like people are going to identify with it and they're like, "Nope, I'm not putting that out." You know, sometimes maybe because it wasn't good, but sometimes it was like, "Man, they were just explaining like, this is my therapy. This is how mm. I deal with problems. This is how I deal with issues." And um, creativity is an outlet that you know allows you to clear your mind and mm-hmm. you know even videos whatever it is graphic design whatever it is that you do um this is a good conversation that'll lead us into another segment that we do here uh, called level up um where you just kind of give um a kind of like a piece of advice a tip um that you can help somebody doing amazon or just reselling in general kind of level up something that you've learned along the way that you can share yeah well for one i would say get social media if you don't have it and learn from people because that's been super clutch um but like i I hate to stress a point that i've already made but i just i think if you're on amazon using the custom SKUs is just so important and another key point I'd make on that is it's tedious to do them all yourself. And what I mean by that is if you're using the Amazon seller app and you're adding products that way, maybe put them in your notes and copy and paste them or something. But 
like I use Turbo Lister, which is software designed to list on Amazon quickly. Mm. And I set that up that it makes the SKUs for me. I don't have to click anything. So can you explain custom SKUs? Because that's foreign to me. I don't understand that. So if you're familiar with eBay, I believe, well, eBay has SKUs where you could you can write some kind of number that identifies the inventory of it. So yeah. you might write A41, which means it's in box A and it's book four and one over or something. So you can do the same thing on Amazon where you just, you give it that skew, but the difference is it's not for inventory purposes. It's for your own personal purpose. So right. if you, so how do you use it? How do so you when I, when I go to value village, which is like a thrift store here, I think they're global, but I don't know. Um, when I'm sending in that book, I'll put in VV and then zero one, cause that's my first trip. And then the next one I'll go VV zero two and then VV zero three. So now I'm tracking each and every trip so I can go back and see how they're doing it you know, in, in, in general. And then if I'm going to Salvation Army, it's SA01. And if say I'm seven months from now and I see SA01, I'm like, wow, like that's cool. Like I, this is from like six months ago and it's still selling and I've already made my money back on it. So that, so the custom series just give you kind of a quick look into what's going on at the time. But the other thing that TurboLister will do for you. And like I said, TurboLister is just the software that I use to list the stuff. I'm sure there's a million of them out there, but it will take the sales rank as well. That's the current sales rank. So if I send in a book that's 1 million rank, which is very high, not good, it will put that in that skew and I can see it sell. So if I send some stuff in and it was a 1 million rank and it sells quickly because it's I can see that, then I can investigate it. Like, why did this sell so quick? What's going on? What did I miss or whatever? So the custom skews are just information you pick that you want to see when an item sells. Because when, it, when an item sells, you can go to manage orders and it'll be there. It'll show you that that skew. So yeah. I, use it for, I use it for the store the sales rank, um, what do I have, the date. I uh, know I stopped using the date. Um, I can tell you, I know I'm kind of killing time here, but I'll tell you, you exactly. You so I have the date, sorry, I have the, the location. I have the category because sometimes I do sell books, or sorry, but uh, grocery and toys. So I can search toys and it'll show me all my toy sales. So I mm -hmm. have in there, the location, the category, the sales rank, the condition, and the price. That's the information that I I have in there. So when an item sells, I see that we had a sale 1465. It was from this certain place. It's a book. It was ranked 61K in good condition. We listed it at 1465. It sold at 1465. And this is um seller, seller no, turbo, turbo lister. So turbo lister will make the SKUs for me based on what I, I told mm -hmm. it. And then I'm mm -hmm. reviewing it all within seller within the seller central app and manage do you, have a, do you have a video about seller board? No. About how you use it? No, but I'll that's be, probably I'll that's be probably waiting on that one. Because <laughs> I had it and I get very overwhelmed very quickly when it's like too much inf information. Like I like things, I, I like to break it down mm -hmm. step by step. And when I got it, it was just so much information at one time. That's a very and, good point. And I was so new also mm -hmm. at that time that I didn't know what half of it meant. So I don't yeah. have it, but after hearing you talk about it a couple of times, I'm going to get it again. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll definitely, you brought up another thing we're talking about is the repricer going through that. So I don't feel this very second I'm in a position to make a video on repricer. Simply, I don't have the knowledge. I wouldn't want to falsely advertise stuff, but that's something I'm going to have to do a deep dive into because I think I have an issue. Um, but Sellerboard, I feel like I'm 
fairly well versed in that I could definitely make some content around for sure. If you do do a video, what you should do is um contact seller board and tell them that you're mm. a content creative create um creator and get some um affiliate links and get some um I'm sure that they'll give you something to where you can give like your viewers like because um I contacted be be cool. I signed up for their affiliate program. And then okay. they send me like all these um free like give your um viewers like thirty days free or fifty percent off the annual hmm. and like do all that. So I don't even think yeah I'm always doing this stuff for these companies and I never asked like for that stuff. So that's ask good man, point. all you gotta do is ask because they because they have the um they they have like divisions just for that type of stuff like marketing and like all right. that that they just give it all away. I like that. I like that a lot. I learned, I learned, I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm over here writing down notes. Um, I, I, I did have a, a question about the SKU, the custom SKU that you were yeah, talking about. Shoot. So you have location, category, sales rank, condition, and price. Now, what do you do to track what you're spending? Like, I know you were talking earlier, mm. like at a certain <laughs> store, they have the same price for all books. So maybe you already know you've memorized that, but do you use anything separately to track that? Yeah. So I have a spreadsheet. So each time I do a shipment up, like I'll put um, in that it'll be VV01 and then how much it cost, like what the receipt says, and then the, the amount of books that I bought. And then I have a, like I have the next cell will be the breakdown of the cost per book, like my, my, okay. my cost of goods. Okay, so, but you don't list every book. You just do like a general breakdown of the average right. buying cost. You would need to do every item if you were doing like grocery or something. Okay. Because then you need to know which SKUs were good, which ones weren't. But this is just like when you're shipping thousands of books, like I'm not going to write every single book because I can get the information another way if I have to through Amazon, mm -hmm. like themselves reports. But I just want to know how this how this shipment did this trip, because yeah, after, you, after you get five, six of these going, that's enough information that you can say, OK, when I go to Value Village, I'm getting like a 40 percent margin and they're moving quick. So I need to focus on how I can hit more of these stores. But when I go to Salvation Army, for whatever reason, the quality of books, like I'm not getting my return as quick, but they are sound, but it's taking longer. So it gives you like an idea, like we can build a strategy around sourcing because you're you're seeing the data right in front of you. So I'll, I track the payout. So I track what I've been paid out at my first 15 days. What did this trip return me? Okay, what did it return me at month one, month two, month three? And I see the first 15 days, there's a huge, like a nice lump sum. And then once you get to one month, there's not much, but then months two and three, it's it's big. So if you just send in a book and or you did two shipments of books and then you give up after a month, you didn't give it time to get that month two or three where you really start seeing items become more profitable. Got it. That makes sense. Now, in the beginning, when you were not getting pallets of books, were mm -hmm. you just scanning everything yeah. that you found or just picking everything up and well, then I, then I would go to a store. I still do this because it's one, I actually find it fun. I'll put on a podcast and just scan, but I just go, mm -hmm. there's certain sections you kind of learn are good. Like if there's a reference section, anything educational, textbooks, health, that's a good place. Health, all that stuff is good. You just scan every single book. So you have a Bluetooth scanner paired to your phone, which you, then you have scoutly opened. Yep. That one. That's, I have the, pretty much the exact same. I have like Ooh. the exact same thing. So this, <laughs> like, Yo, so this, I, I want to get into this, man. <laughs> so this is paired to my phone. Yeah. And then I just scan the barcode, just scan the barcode. 
And because of that algorithm that I prog programmed into Scully, that trigger, it tells me if it's worth it or not. So just like oh, you wow. see there. So up in the corner, you put your cost of goods. And now the way I work is when I'm at the stores, I don't want to dabble two, $3 profits. Like I want to scan quick and get the big boy. So I'm looking for like eight, $9 profits because what happened early in my career is I would just buy everything, even if it was a dollar, $2 profits. But what happens is you're tying up cash. You're tying up very, very important cash flow. And very quickly, you can run out of money. And the best thing about books is that it, it's so little cost of entry. So we call them, and when I say we, because I now have a business partner, we call them bangers. We're always after the bangers, like the ones that are like, when it sells, <laughs> it's going to pay for like a lot of inventory, like eight, nine, $10 profits per book. So that is a huge tip for people starting out is try not to major in the minors. Like don't be going after the two, $3 profit just because you can make, just because you can sell doesn't mean you should. Mm. You need to hold on to what is king, which is cash. Cash is king. Sell the stuff that's going to make you money. Focus on that. Because if you're picking up all the $2 profits, it's slowing you down, you might stop one book before the $40 banger. And that would have made you 40 bucks. So I would say go in there, comb through it, and just try to find the really nice margins. The nice. What's ones. your most profitable book that you've ever sold? Just yesterday. And my partner found it in a value village. It sold for $400. Our cost of goods was four bucks. It just like literally yesterday. It was, I saw that. It was amazing. Yeah. That's wild. Before that, it was a doll. It was um, the week before I sold a book that I sourced for uh, one, one sixty four, which is still like crazy when you're spending like that book was a dollar fifty. Crazy. How much did you sell that one for? So I paid a dollar fifty. It sold for one hundred and sixty four dollars. And it wasn't like it like, like it literally sold within a week of arriving. So did this other one like boom. That's what we like. That's fire. What That's is fire. What is your cutoff of a banger? Like, is it 50? Is it 60? Like, what? Like well, what? well <laughs> we're, we're coining that term banger in books, man. I'm so taking we're it. To make, it's a banger. It's so <laughs> so there's, there's, there's borderline banger. So that's like, <laughs> okay. that's like, that's like 20 to 30 and then 30 above. So it's like, okay. and then before that, everything before that, like it was like, if it's like, um, let's say eight and above, it's a boomer. So there's boomers, borderline bangers, and then bangers. <laughs> Orderlines and bangers and how often do you get bangers like does that happen like each like shop like each sourcing no or no not at all but those are like it's literally an addiction like it's actually a problem because you want <laughs> to find them and if you didn't get it like you didn't get that shot this time you didn't get that it's like okay i gotta keep going till i find that that the money yeah but no, do you, you don't find them every time banger? Do you consider it a banger when you scan it and you see how much you can go for or once it sells then it's a banger when we scan it, we're like, oh, okay. banger. And then we get hype and then there's high fives and it's. A, <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate with that on the eBay side. I'm I'm more of the eBay just getting my mm -hmm. feet wet on Amazon. Yeah. But, um, you know, I got I, I think I spoiled myself because I used to look for very high profit items, mm. um, you know, minimum 30, 40, 50 dollars in profit. And then on average, I was doing maybe 60, I think $64 was like my average profit for each nice. item. And so then I started noticing, all right, if I sell a bunch of little items, it's going to stimulate my store. So the bigger mm -hmm. items can sell because I'll rank higher on the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard for me, like all these hot wheels that are over here, like 
I bought 400 Hot Wheels for 20 cents a piece. And it was so hard for me to actually sit down and list it because I'm like, it's not worth my time mm. when I can use that, you know, four or five minutes that, you know, to take a picture of a $80 item. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to sell this? You know what I'm saying? So now I'm in the I just hired my first employee. I'm getting a virtual assistant to do the listing. That's huge. And kind of stepping away from those little time-consuming tasks so I can grow my Amazon so we can focus on the magazine, focus on the podcast, and, you know, just a couple of other things that I do. But I'm just trying to really scale it. But I I, I can relate with you, bro. I did not want to do anything low-profit mm. at all whatsoever. Yeah. I was looking from eBay bangers yeah, yeah. <laughs> all day. <laughs> I think I will pass this, up on stuff all the time too. This like, niche you're in with the podcast and like you say, you're in your magazine. I think it's super, super smart. Very mm-hmm. smart. I'm all about yeah, it. I'm just trying to apply what I learned in the music industry and apply it to this super industry smart. as well. I'm glad I connected with Lewis. Like we had so much in common. We we're like a couple of hours like we were born one day apart from each other, just a couple of hours. And mm-hmm. the other day what he was time were you born? Do you know that? Uh, 12, 12 uh, p.m. A.m. or p.m. Okay, then yeah. we're, we are 25 hours apart. <laughs> That's why. No, I can't be 25, bro. That's another day. Yes, I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Your math is off. <laughs> I was born at 1 p.m. So, so is it 23 hours in? Okay, then 23. Yeah. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, it's, I don't even remember what I was saying, but you were saying, damn, bangers. I don't know. eBay bangers. You don't dabble in the oh, small Oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah, we were talking about the magazine and the podcast and all that yeah. and how we connected. And it was just phenomenal. Like, I feel like over the past couple of months, And we were talking about this earlier when you start kind of putting these things out into the universe and just kind of focusing on different things Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. things have just fallen on my lap, like back to back to back to back to back. And then earlier, me and Lewis were talking about doors closing. And I was like, bro, like doors close on you for a reason. Everything has a purpose. Like, don't get down. Don't get discouraged. You know what I'm saying? Like just keeping that mentality because you don't know what greater doors that you had no idea were going to open up, you know. Can I in clarify one thing? Yeah. If I don't know, bug me. I want to make sure it's clear for people that are listening or if whatever. Um, yes, like like the the put the thought behind it is important and it, you will manifest, but like the most important thing and the reason doors open for you is because you were putting in the work Action. beyond everything else. Action. Because a lot of people they look at like the secret and it's just like if I think it'll be, but it's like, yes, you need that, but it's the work beyond right. everything else. Being consistent yeah. also, like not just working, but doing it day in and day out. Like everybody yeah. works, but nobody does it like every single day. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean like every single day, like every single day, but being consistent with it. Like, sure, you can yeah. work for, for like a week, but then most people stop. They get on Amazon, they get on eBay. It doesn't happen the way they think it should happen. And then they stop. But mm-hmm. but 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 they don't know that if they would have kept going for another month or, or for another two months, then that would then what they were looking for would have happened. So just being consistent, putting in work and actually having a positive attitude towards it. I think. Right. Magic sauce. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get yeah. some, some of the comments. Hyphy Go said, Topher said, Lewis is in the future. Yes, I am in the future. I am six hours ahead of all y'all. So I'm in the future. <laughs> um, Katie Reese joined us. She says hello. And then uh, Julian, you was going to say something? 
No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, any other questions that you got for him? I know you had a whole list of questions. I don't, I want to go back to, because I'm interested in it, in it for myself, because my problem right now is with books, it's with listing, it's with pricing the books. So when you have, you're doing, obviously you're doing FBA. If there's no FBA offer, do you go, do you base your price off of the new price or do you base your price off of the highest used merchant fulfilled price so i wish i could give you a super super simplistic answer but i can't because i look at a few things so one i want to look at the like the rank of the book like is does it sell like is it, is it a selling a lot if it's selling a lot then i feel like i have more chances at bat which means right. that i can i have more leverage with my price so if it's 21 new maybe used i'm going to go cheaper for sure i might go 1999 because i'm going to have right. a lot of chances to get that that sale if it sells let's say moderately like you know a lot being a hundred times a month and this might sell five times a month then i'm thinking geez I'm only, i might not have as many at bats on this thing i, I definitely don't want to tie up cash in this book for very long because it's only a four or five dollar profit what price do i reasonably think i can get for this so I'll, I'll, that's kind of what i look at and i look at if there's no fba i can go pretty close to new like pretty right. close because someone can save three, $4 and the books in good shape. They probably will do it probably. Right. So I try to put myself on the other end of the keyboard when I'm, if I was buying it myself and like the logic I would use, which maybe is a horrible strategy because if you do that in you're, sales, you're like working. if you're it, but you, you, some people might, if they say 50 cents, they might do it. So in general, I just try to have a good price that I think it'll sell at, but it, with all that being said, if there's a book that's new for 20 and someone's on the FBA for 11, but it sells a lot, a lot, that's when I'm going to go probably like 1499, 1599. And the other thing that I have on my favor now is I'm starting to stack up reviews. Um, so I'm fairly confident that I can actually beat out some other sellers for the buy box, even if they're priced lower than me. Because I have like nearly a hundred reviews at like ninety eight percent, except like like full stars. So that wasn't always the case. Mm -hmm. You know, it's taking time to get there, and even a hundred reviews isn't much compared. Like I see some book sales with thousands, and it's like good luck trying to compete with with those guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like it's not super straightforward. You got to go with your gut a little bit. You got to look at Keepa. You got to think about like the goal is always to move the product quick as possible while retaining a decent profit. That's kind of my goal. And if that means sometimes I got to undercut everybody and just move it, it's one book. It's one. Like I have one listing of this book. Like I'm not caught up in too much. Like if we if we undercut everybody, it sells, it's done. They can all go back to having their price. Like it's whatever. So just try to find the place where you're going to sell the book pretty quickly, but also make the money you want. It's a balance and act between those two metrics. Hyphy, Hyphy did ask, um, what else do you sell other than books on Amazon? I know well, over, over Christmas, I did toys. It was fine. But the issue that I find with other grocery, I like, I'm super down with grocery. I, I just started I, on groceries. I, grocery's fun. It's like quick moving and it's, it's good. Um, toys, like when you're buying books and you're buying them for $4 and you find bangers that you're making $50, $60 profit on, it's so hard to buy a toy for $25 to make 15. Like that's still like great, but it's, it's so hard to pull the trigger on that stuff because it's like 
why wouldn't I just take this money and spend it on more books? The margins are better. The ROI is better. So grocery, I can get good margins and nice ROI and then move quick. So really, I'm going to say like, I don't sell anything else really because it's books and dabbling in grocery. And you're, I, I assume you're full time in this, right? You're, this is I am now. It's for me, it's do or die, man. Like it's do or die. <laughs> How long ago did you leave your job? Was that about a year ago as well? Or or did you well, still... I, like I don't want to give the wrong impression, so I need to be transparent. So I left my job in March, but I was on like unemployment. So I was getting paid by the government, which was super helpful. And I'm not like ashamed to say it. Like I had my reasons, but it was it, it allowed me to not take money out of my business. And I like I wasn't at home on the couch drinking beers. Like like I was literally paying my mortgage but hustling like i was putting that time to work and now that is over um now it's time that i and I've, i'm lucky to sense that i've grown my my inventory nice like my payouts are good like i can i can do this but i could pay myself and be happy and just like i don't need assist like i could be full-time but i i don't i don't feel like i don't want to take money out yet so that's my struggle because i want to keep building up an inventory like I'm not against taking but you should pay yourself. I just I wish I, I could have a little bit more time to load up on inventory. But um the night well, one thing is I just sold my house and values around here have gone crazy. So I'm gonna have a nice little nest egg from that. And the new house is massive garage, and so I'm gonna have a lot more space to work with. So the next two months I'm kind of easy street in a sense because I have a little nest egg to work with, but I, I need to make this you're, you'll know in six months if i'm full-time or not like really full-time <laughs> we'll definitely keep stay tuned to that mm. yeah yeah it's looking like it shouldn't be a problem at all if we have forecasts we've made and stuff and it looks good but who knows <laughs> lewis any other questions no not really do you have anything no man i i learned a lot bro i like i said i wrote down a ton of notes i'm definitely gonna hit you up on the nope, dms on it. instagram and that's my role in this questions. world man yeah <laughs> but i'm definitely gonna dive into books um there's a salvation army by me they have a, a bunch of shelves and then they have like benches right in front of it so i'm just gonna grab stacks and get a Go little through. bluetooth scanner and start scanning mm -hmm. I, I heard health i heard you know textbooks i heard a couple of things that biographies autobiographies oh yeah okay so good just make a list of these things and and you know try to scale this amazon mm -hmm. business now and let the ebay run on its own yeah. well chris i want to thank you so much for taking time out to come and school us all help us out i learned a lot thank you so much and um if you guys want to connect with chris you can follow him on instagram at the casual flipper you can check out his podcast do you do weekly episodes Every Friday, yeah. And this is the okay. first week I don't have it done yet, so I got to uh -oh. record that shit okay. now. Well, then you can check out Chris on um, Spotify, and you can check out his YouTube channel. All the links are down mm -hmm. below in the, in the description. Thank you so much, Chris, and have a great day. Peace. So, yeah, man, yeah, that was a lot of inf information. Yeah, man. Definitely good to learn from someone who he's kind of new as well. He said he's only really been doing it for about a year. You know, but you know what's crazy business. about that? Sorry. Mm -hmm. But you know what's that he's been doing it for a year and he's very transparent. Like he shows his numbers and the numbers that he do, that gives you like motivation that he's doing it in like a year. So you can kind of be maybe not on the 
same level as, as him, but you can still, in like a year of just hustling, you can make more than a full time. Like I know for a fact, I can make more than I make at my regular job. So that gives right. so like that. So like that gives me hope. Yeah, for anybody looking for a side hustle or, you know, just looking for a change in lifestyle. I mean, these are you're hearing from people that are actually doing it. Last week we heard from Niche. You know, she wasn't in it for a long time either. She said about mm-hmm. a year, year and a half as well. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're making numbers, bro. Numbers that, you know, you're right now, if you're working for somebody, you're building their business. Why yes. not build your own business? You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I definitely admire all these people coming on even you yourself bro like you know just the way you're doing everything and and a lot of the other things you do as well because you're a hustler you got the blogs you got so much other stuff going on that people have no idea about exactly Um, right exactly exactly it motivates me like i love i just i'm new to the community two two months maybe two three months and then just finding and connecting with all these people motivate me and you know if you're a person that you know right now maybe is just like creeping not even commenting or listening back on the replay listening on the um podcast on spotify and you know just kind of trying to get your feet wet man this is gold golden information um, like you said, one of the things that he recommends is just following a ton of people on Instagram and listening and learning and watching. That's how I learned reselling as well, just by watching different types of videos. So you guys are getting um, dope information. And we um, have another guest um, coming on Friday, uh, next Friday, um, who is phenomenal at eBay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Definitely. He was the first one that I saw do like he was like, I don't want to say his numbers, but he posted on anything. But he was doing like 40,000 in like three months. And I was like, because I never seen that before. Like I just seen people doing like 5,000, 10,000 was like the most. Maybe I seen 20,000. But when he posted that 40, that 40,000, I was like, all right, I need to take my eBay a little bit more serious. Yo, uh, Derek just flexed on him real quick. Like, Val, <laughs> take Sorry, this 40 guys, piece right next here. Saturday, next Saturday. It's the Next day before the day, the day before Valentine's Day. It's gonna be our Valentine's Day special. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, bro, it it's so motivating to watch all of these people doing it, and that's kind of where I drew motivation to. You know, all right, I gotta scale this. I gotta get on another level. I, you know, this is possible. This is um, attainable. Really, is the word I'm looking for. Um, but there's a ton of people in the community that are helpful too. Um, that's one thing I love about the community. It's like you yourself, you're like an open book. Anytime I have questions or anything like that, you're like, Hey, try this, try that. I heard about this. I got a friend that does this. Let me connect you with them. So, you know, definitely appreciate people like that. Strong believer in karma, which you put out comes right back. So, um, that was dope, man. Chris, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And, um, you guys are getting uh, the information directly from the horse's mouth, bro. All right. Well, I guess we are like an hour and 36 minutes, man. We did good today. Like, I was tired. I didn't even think that we was going to do an hour. But, like, it was just <laughs> like, he's like, I relate to his business model so much. I wanted to, like, ask him all. Like, I wanted to be selfish and ask the questions that I can ask when I, when I had him, like, face to face. So, right. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's a good opportunity for us as well to learn and kind of pick their brains and stuff like that. Um, So that's definitely dope Um, for a lot of the people who have been listening. And I know we've had a lot of Amazon talk uh, next week will be um, a lot of eBay talk. So that's going to be fun as well. And 
you know, here at Hustlenomics, we we don't only focus on reselling through eBay or Amazon. Like we're going to have or we plan on having people of all different walks of life, um, all different types of hustles. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, definitely consider subscribing, um, tuning in to us. Make sure you set a reminder. Um, we got the social media as well. Hustlenomics on the Instagram. And then you got everybody's, um, you got both of our um, links on here. So and then I also have it in the um, description below. So there's no reason why you guys can't like find out about us. And I'm going to be much better next time. Of, um, I'll update the, like, I'll update the next episode. I'll schedule it tomorrow so that people can already set a reminder to be able to um, join and, and do all that. Like this is only our third episode. So each episode is going to get better and be more organized. So if you are here and you're still here, or if you were here just for a second, or if you're listening to us on, pod, on the podcast, on Spotify, or watching the replay, thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm Lewis, a.k.a. Sir Flips A Lot. And Julian 3 Gen Hustle. And peace out. We appreciate y'all. Later. Appreciate you listening to the whole podcast. You are amazing. I hope you learned a lot. Be well, and I'll see you next week.